ser benfiquista é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão de culto. A coragem, que é a liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão pela explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim, intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. I'm Keaton Parks. Listen to the Benfica podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast, episode number 360. And if 360 is not indicative as to what everybody's life has been these past three, uh, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, depending where you are in the world, I don't know what is. My name is Alfredo Fumasic. With me tonight, Cristiano Oliveira. Cristiano. Diz olá aos senhores e às senhoras. Olá, senhoras e senhoras, and thank you one more time for tuning in and uh, spending a couple minutes with uh, with our company. Yeah, how you doing, Cristiano? How's everything around your way? So far, so good. Um, actually had uh, family. What, what should I say? My, my sister-in-law's cousin passed away without trying to give too much information. Basically, that's what happened because of the, the, the corona, COVID, whatever you want to call it. So I've had, you know, tragedy strike close to home. I never met him. I don't know him, but still, I feel, you know, for my sister-in-law, um, you know, it'll be soon enough. All of us will know someone that's been affected by this uh, terrible, terrible disease or pandemic, whatever you want to call it. So listen, just listen to the, to, to, to the, to the experts, social, social distancing. Stay as far away from people as you, as you possibly can and stay indoors and do whatever it is that's necessary so we could get over this uh, tragedy that's going on around the world right now. Yeah. Also with us, Dave de Oliveira up in Canada. How you doing, Dave? Not too bad. Uh, not too bad. You know, just uh, like uh, Chris said, trying to stay safe, wash our hands and uh, stay inside. Uh, that's all we can do at this time here. How are things up in Canada, Dave? Uh, I, I think we're better. We're doing a lot better than you guys in the, uh, the States. That's, uh, not saying much though, but, uh, people are, I think for the most part, listening to the, uh, experts staying inside. Uh, but you still see on those nice days that, uh, people are going, uh, out to uh, a beach or out to a pop, a public park and, uh, gathering that way. So I think, uh, if you don't live with the, uh, If you're not living with people, you're not supposed to be going to their house and visiting them. So just stay inside as much as possible. Yeah, that's for sure. Also with us uh, this week, uh, a guest, and we haven't spoken to him in, in quite some time. He is uh, the uh, afternoon sports anchor on 590 The Fan up in Canada, one of the major, major uh, sports uh, talk stations. He also uh, does some work for Sportsnet. Uh, Alex... The better looking brothers, the Seychelles brothers. What's going on, man? Everybody says that. Must be true. What's going on, guys? Good. To, I think the last time, well, the only the only other time I was on the show, I think that was when uh, Luis Felipe Vieta had his epiphany, and uh, our boy was still managing. And I feel like I think I think Benfica played Braga that weekend, and I remember telling you guys if they lose, that he should have been fired that weekend, and they won. They won that game like five. I think it was like five nothing. nil. Yeah. yeah, and then a couple of weeks later, he got fired. So yeah, it's it good to be funny. back. Yeah, it was funny because Alex was with us after that. Well, I don't know if you want to call it a false start, right? Because the that's one of the best <laughs> podcasts you guys have ever done. By the way, that hour was amazing. The the show uh, 
as as everything is is indicative that the Ruvitari was gonna go. The the papers are publicizing it, the the TVs are publicizing it, and we went on the air and uh, we spoke about like there was no tomorrow for Ruvitari. Ruvitari was going to uh, be done, uh, and then the morning after we found out that he wasn't gonna be done. There was return, and then we had Alex on the show after that where we kind of had to kind of retract and we felt embarrassed for the whole thing. You guys were bang on just, just a little early. That's all it was. You guys were, were spot on with everything you said that week. Yeah. So Alex, how's, uh, how's things up in your way? Things are good, man. Um, I don't live too far from Dave where I don't know if, I guess we're technically neighbors, Dave, like, we're yeah, 20, Hamilton. 20 minutes Hamilton apart. Yeah. yeah, I'm here in Burlington, so it's about 50 minutes west of Toronto. Dave's a little further west, uh, but things are good. You know, I got a couple young girls here, so um, you know they just announced in the province of Ontario on uh, Tuesday of this week that there's going to be no school until at least May the fourth, and I'm not anticipating my girls are going to go back to school for the rest of the year. So, you know, my wife is home right now, and she's doing a good job, kind of homeschooling the kids. Um, and luckily enough, I have the opportunity to work from home. So, you know, the conditions aren't ideal, but I kind of got all the equipment I need in order to do my updates for the radio. Um, I do stuff for 590 and 680 News, the all-news radio station in Toronto. So um, it's it's good. I mean, I had to go into the station uh, almost three weeks ago, and um, it was weird. It was odd. There wasn't a lot of people there. Um, but luckily, you know, m my job's done a pretty good job getting everyone what they need. And I think we have like 70% of our radio staff is working from home right now. So it's been some adjustment, but, you know, we're making uh, the most of a really tricky situation right now. Yeah. And I thought about you uh, when this whole thing went, went down, right? Because, I mean, we, we look at sports, sports have been just put on pause, right? And and I thought about you, well, you make your living of giving sports updates and talking about sports and uh and i know that the nfl now is in off season there's a lot of talk about the draft and so on and so forth but the reason why why i wanted to have you on was because i wanted to get your take in terms of everything that went down uh from several leagues shutting down uh you saw it at first that there was a threat in europe that 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 fo that football or soccer was going to shut down and then we saw uh, the major leagues here in the U.S., where where some of the Canadian teams also play, uh, taking a, a a very strong stance on the league is done. First, they were going to play behind uh, closed doors. Then the the league is done. The leagues are shut down until further notice. Talk to us. I mean, as, as an, uh, your employer uh, that lives off the of sports, how did that how did that go, man? It was crazy. It was unlike anything I've ever dealt with. And, I, you know, I can say one of my first jobs in radio, I was a producer for a hockey show when I was fresh out of college. And that was, uh, I guess, back in 2004 and 2005. And that was the last time that the, the National Hockey League had a lockout. So I produced a, a two hour hockey show every day for about a year with no hockey to talk about. And I didn't know how we were going to do it. But we we found a way. We got a lot of guests and my hosts were really good and they could talk and we and we found a way this this was different like when i think when when uh, the city of us started getting affected that's when i really 
started to think about what sports could look like um, in North America. And I really enjoyed you guys having Patrick on a couple of weeks ago, who gave a really good description uh, of what things in Italy are like right now. Um, but we talked about it. We saw games being played behind closed doors. And it, it you know, that, that week, I guess it was three weeks ago, you know, the NHL had said that they were going to play some games with no fans in attendance. The NBA, I know the Golden State Warriors were going to play a couple of games uh, with no fans in attendance. But it was it was the Wednesday night um, when the Utah Jazz player tested positive and then Tom Hanks tested positive. It was that Wednesday night, like everyone is going to remember where they were at about 830 that evening. Um that changed everything. Like we knew this thing existed and we knew um, it was in Asia and it was in Europe. We didn't know if it was going to come to North America. We didn't know how rapidly it was going to come to North America, but you know, uh, the folks at Sportsnet and Rogers, they did a great job every day kind of communicating. Like we, we were on top of it, but we didn't know how quickly it was going to happen because that Wednesday, the NBA suspended their season, the NHL suspended their season, no baseball for God knows how long, no soccer. Everything was shut down. So we had a couple of days there that week, like the Thursday and Friday. We were all still going in and just we were just going on the air and talking about this being canceled, this not happening, how are the leagues going to kind of go ahead. Um, and then the following week is when we started – um, to have people work from home. We've kind of ceased production out of our, our TV studios. That's almost three weeks running now. So we've been just replaying a ton of old baseball games, old basketball games, old NHL games, really nostalgic. It's given us something to kind of watch. But for the time being, it's just, yeah, I think we we understand we are at least months away from sports returning. And over these last three weeks, we're just... You know, if you listen to, to the radio, it's we're talking to broadcasters, we're talking to athletes. We had a guy from Toronto FC on yesterday. He was just kind of shooting the shit for 20 minutes with one of our shows. And he's just like one of us. But like he has no idea when he's when when they're going to return. I know the president from Atlanta United is saying that, you know, the MLS is still hoping to play a, a full 34 game season. It, the way he was talking, like he's he's not sure how that's going to happen, but it's really tricky. We're just really trying to do the best we can right now. Well, there's been some talk of when they when these leagues do return in North America, um, that they possibly pick out some designated cities because some part yeah. of of the country of the United States, uh, you know, I should say, have been affected more than others have. But today, the city of Toronto, about two hours ago, comes out and says that they're canceling all social events until June 30th. So even if they do come back with you know the NBA, the NHL, and MLB, that means that there's no base of uh, baseball. There, there, there's no sports, professional sports being played in that city until at least you know July first. What do you? I mean, what are your thoughts about that when you heard that this band was put into action? Well, that you know, I, I found out probably about an hour after that came out that that does not include sporting events. Um, but I don't think it matters. I think um, oh. I think other cities around North America are going to start doing this because. Um, you know, this is not going away anytime soon. So what the city has done is, you know, street festivals, um, concerts, just the things that require a city permit. They have told uh, all of those people, whatever you want to do. We had parades that were going to be in the city of Toronto in May and June. Those are not happening. So th those are done. Um, in terms of sporting events, they're pretty much recom they're, they're recommending that there are no large gatherings in the city. And I, and I, you know, I don't think, I don't think the Blue Jays were going to play this June, and I don't think the Maple Leafs or the Raptors were going to play this June. So um, 
you know, I, I, I still think it's going to be the summer months before any of this returns. But I think it's you just kind of see the headline that Toronto is banning, you know, public gatherings. And, you know, unfortunately, I think we're getting to this point. And look, Canada, as, as Dave said, Canada hasn't been as, as, as hit as hard as, as in the U.S. Um, but we still have a couple of, I think, rough weeks ahead where, you know, this curve can go any type of way. So. You know, it's just it's just we're adjusting. And I think best case scenario is if we have some hockey being played, you know, at the in the beginning of August. Right. We're going to have summer hockey. We're going to have baseball going until who knows how long into the winter months. Like it's it's this is going to be something to, that we just haven't seen before. But um, I think the city doing what they did today was almost like. You know, Canada last week saying they're not going to send their athletes to the Olympics because they don't think it's safe. Well, the city of Toronto doesn't think it's safe to have a pride parade or, you know, go to a museum. And I think it's I think it's it's the right call. So it doesn't necessarily affect sports, but in a way, in a way it does, because frankly, we're not going to have sports anytime well, I'm, soon, I'm unfortunately. Glad. I'm glad that I brought that up because obviously I would have been misinformed and you just cleared it up for all of us. And those that are listening, probably confused like I was, um, you just clarify that for us. So thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, Alex, you you may not have um, access to to this information, but in terms of um, a radio station, a TV station, uh, they live off of of, of revenue, of of, of uh, advertising revenue. How has that been uh, for you? Uh, and you, like I said, you might not have that insight, but certainly uh, a station or a TV station is is taking that type of a hit. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, you, you're right. I don't have the exact numbers for you. Um, but the fact that we're not producing any live content out of our, our TV studios, I can't imagine that's a great thing. You know, radio is different, guys. Radio, we haven't we haven't really changed much. Like we our shows from, you know, 530 in the morning, uh, you know, through until midnight. We're still broadcasting on the weekends like all of our guys, all of our hosts, they're all at home. Um, they're working off their laptops or their phones, so we can still find a way there. You know, TV is different, and we're dealing with uh, studios, and um, you know, people are just worried about um, you know the spread uh, of this thing. I think it's a lot easier to just do radio at home where you're in your own spot and you can self quarantine and you don't have to leave. I mean, from a league perspective, I can tell you that the National Hockey League, I believe, is is if the season is canceled, which they're hoping is not, because again, it seems like they're prepared to play in the summer, but the NHL alone uh, might lose $1 billion in revenue by not playing the rest of the way. So they, I think last year they made about $5 billion and about a quarter of their season plus playoffs would be, would be gone if they cancel the event. So leagues are going to be losing money here. And yes, you know, TV stations, networks, it's, it's, we're all going to, kind of have to bite the bullet here uh for a little bit but you know with the lockout it was you know the, the nhl lockout back in 0405 it was different yeah there was no hockey to talk about but we had everything else i mean now it's we have wrestling thank god for wrestlemania on on the week this weekend i, I know what i'm going to be watching saturday and sunday uh and the ufc still trying to put some events together and i think like the you know, like the belarus soccer league is still going I don't know if you guys are watching any of that. I can't believe that's actually happening. um, So everyone is getting hurt here. Everyone is getting hurt. There's no doubt about it. And I mean, I I mean that that is a monstrous uh, revenue uh, loss. And we're talking about NHL, which is, uh, by the way, is not 
would you say the top three uh, sports in in the oh. in the North American continent? You got football, you got uh, um, MLB, which is baseball, and you have uh, NBA. And I think that yeah. NHL is probably right above the MLS. Alex, if you technically want to go by, it's the NFL, college football, and then <laughs> everything else. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, NHL is number one here in Canada, but it's probably fourth still. Uh, in the United States, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's look. The NHL is a huge moneymaker, and and our our company five years ago, you know, purchased the NHL rights for I think it was five point two billion dollars for like ten years. So, you know, Sportsnet has made a huge investment, and and I I like I can't imagine what that would do for a league to not have, you know, to lose a billion dollars in revenue. Like that's going to affect the salary cap. That's going to affect. Uh, the escrow, the amount of money that the players put away so that the league and the players can have, you know, a 50-50 split, which is what they agreed to in the the CBA years ago. So, you know, I think the one thing with baseball, like they still want to try to get a full 162-game season in. That seems tough. Like, I don't know if Major League Soccer is going to be able to get a full 34-game schedule in. With the NHL and the NBA, it's tough for those two because they were smack dab, not even in the middle of their regular season, kind of at the tail end with their real moneymaker in the playoffs coming up. Um, and even if, like, the NHL and the NBA have a shortened a playoff schedule or some si some sort of like mini tournament or something, they'll, they'll still be affected. So it's just like, it's unprecedented what we're going through right now. And like, I, we had a, a general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs on a radio station today. And, you know, like he was being asked questions of like what he thinks is going to happen when he thinks hockey's going to return. Like he doesn't know, you know, fans don't know, like nobody knows what's happening here. We're all kind of working blind. And that's the real unique thing about this whole situation. Yeah. What has been the, the direction in terms of uh, some of the managers and some of the decision makers within the station in terms of content? What has been the direction? Just just run and go to the hosts? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, our show, honestly, our shows don't sound much different. I think our formats are the same. We um, we might be relying on guests a little bit more. Um But I, I think the number one concern at the beginning was let's get all of our honor talent equipped uh, with sufficient, um, you know, microphones and headsets and laptops so they can do their show from home. And over about a week period, we got everyone fit with everything that they needed. Um, and, you know, sometimes the connection drops out and the Wi-Fi is shitty and, you know, it takes a couple minutes to to connect back in. But, I, you know, that's just kind of the, the situation we're in right now. Like, it's not going to be perfect quality. It's not going to sound as good. I think what we've learned, and this was, and, and I, I remember this happening back in the NHL lockout about 15 years ago, was even though we were a two-hour hockey show every day, And, and there were no games going on. People still listened because they just wanted to hear us talk, right? They just wanted some sort of escape, you know, from from reality. Like, there's only so much, you know, news about COVID-19 I think one person can humanly take in a day. Like, I remember when this first started, I was watching, you know, the Canada Prime Minister's news conference. And then some of his staff were having a news conference right after. And then the Ontario Prime Minister was having a news conference. Then I would watch Trump for a little bit. And it was just like... It got to the point where it was just way too much and you just had to kind of just just take a step back and do something else. And I think people coming in and, and tuning into the radio station and just even if it's listening to two guys like talk about nothing, just like just 
the stupid stuff. Like they, they would just rather take that. So I think the shows we've been doing have been really good. Like our, it's not easy for our host to go on three hours a day uh, and talk about nothing, but our guests come on and our hosts are really good and clever. And we've been rewatching old games and talking about that. So, you know, we're definitely finding a way. I'm really proud of those guys. They're doing a lot of, it, it's not easy. They're doing some, some hard work. And I think it's, I think it's really, really good. Yeah. Dave, what are you doing in terms of entertainment? What are you, what are you turning to in, uh, for entertainment? Well, uh, keeping it with Sportsnet, like uh, Alex was saying, uh, they're pl- uh, replaying a lot of these old uh, Blue Jays games. And I was born in 92, so I miss those 92, 93 games. So ro- uh, watching those games for the first time uh, really has me uh, intrigued because I've never watched those games live to begin with. So it's as if I'm watching a, a baseball game for the first time. Uh, at least knowing the result, but not knowing how uh, how the game plays out. So, uh, rewatching some uh, some former games and uh, just sticking to Netflix. Uh, I'm a little. I'm, I think I'm a year late, but I'm catching up on Game of Thrones uh, now. Uh, even though the series is finished, but catching up on Game of Thrones uh, and uh, curb your enthusiasm. Sort of that one too. I love the curb your enthusiasm. That's one of my favorite. Uh funny shows on tv for sure um so alex real quick and i know that uh you know for for the guys that uh have followed our podcast and and have been with us since we last had you on um where does this love for benfica come from and uh i know that you're more into benfica than your brother is uh but where does this love for benfica come from Oh, it's all my dad. It's all my dad. He's uh, he was a Benfica fan from the beginning. And I it's funny. I don't know how his love for the team started because he was born uh, uh, in a little village near Costa Nova, which is a little south of Avedu. I think it's about 25 or 30 minutes south of Avedu. Um, so, um, you know, the he, he, ten, not even 10 minutes is like, yeah, seven minutes on the highway from the actual city of Avedu. I live there. That's where I'm from, Alex. So we're probably, there you go. We're probably neighbors, bro. Yeah, he. So I figured he would have been a Betamar fan. Um, one of my uncles is a huge Betamar fan, even though I think they're like I don't know in the fifth division right now. I don't even know how far they've fallen. Um, but yeah, he he grew up a Benfica fan, and then you know some of my early memories growing up, he would just every weekend he would put on you know the local Portuguese radio station here, and he would just blast the games on the radio, and I would just listen with him every day, and then we eventually got one of those giant black satellite dishes that we put in the backyard so we could get Artepe. We got like three channels on that thing. Uh, Artepe was one of them. And I don't know, I don't think they had every game back then, but we got, I think we got like one Portuguese game a week. And when, you know, Benfica was playing, it was really cool. So it really started that way. And then I got older and, you know, we, you know, all the Champions League rights, we were starting to watch every game here in, in Canada on TV. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, they were you know pretty decent in Europe. You know, Simon was scoring huge goals against Liverpool, and um, so it was. It was just like my early sporting memories was was just listening to. Uh, I don't think it was Nuno Mach who was doing the games back then. I don't know when Nuno Mach started, but um, so I just kind of and I never stopped. And I just uh, you know, I've I've seen him play twice. I saw them play here in a friendly a long time ago. I think Giovanni was on that team when, wow. when they had those like mustard yellow jerseys. I don't know how far back that would have been, but they brought like a B squad over here and we saw a couple of decent guys play. And then uh, years ago, I went to Portugal with my family. We saw it was like a July friendly against, uh, against someone. So 
Yeah, it's like I don't have a favorite Premier League team or Italian team. That's Benfica and TFC, really the the two teams I kind of root and cheer for. Alex, here's a question that's going to stir up the pot. Oh boy! Uh, especially for for, <laughs> for for the Portuguese people and Benficaists that are listening, and this will obviously you know go on to other people as soon as they listen. So it's going to stir it up. So, following question: Would you rather have Benfica win the Champions League or Portugal win the World Cup? Why choose one? Oh man, that's good. Uh, it would still probably be Portugal, I think, and I think it would be um, selfishly. I would love for my uh, for my dad to see that. So, I mean, we've celebrated a lot of you know we've celebrated Portugal being European champions, and we've celebrated Benfica being league champions many times. But something about the World Cup to get the star. It's close, man. It's a good question, but. It's the it's the World Cup. I mean, Benfica's already won a European Championship, right? Two of them. Uh-huh. Two of them. So very long time. That's, yes, even though it was a long time ago, that's happened. Winning the World Cup, and they've they've been close. But I think, yeah, I think the World Cup that that's the answer. That's the politically uh, correct answer. I think if you ask Alfredo, you might get a different answer though. Definitely. Oh no. <laughs> Alex, who was your uh, favorite player growing up for Benfica? Oh man, I had a I had a bunch of them. Um, obviously, I, I caught the uh, I didn't catch too much of Rui Costa's time when he was just kind of beginning, but um, watching him kind of flourish in Fiorentina and, and Italy, he was he's right up there. Um, Nuno Gomes, I think, um, just kind of just a good striker. I mean, it's even when he was playing for Portugal in the Euros in two thousand, and he was scoring all those goals against England and France. Um, so those two are probably the ones that stick out. Something about Pablo Imar. I remember when they signed him, I'm like, oh, I don't think this is really going to work out too well. Um, and I remember just watching him was kind of a, a treat. He just brought something different. I know he didn't he didn't play there for for too too long. Um, but yeah, there's there's many. It might be Eliseo just for the motorcycle. So just, <laughs> I mean, that's a memory I don't think any of us will forget. And anytime I try to find like if my Fika does something good and I go to Twitter and look for a gif, that's the first one I go for of him just going around and around on the motorcycle in the dressing room. So he's got a special place in my heart too. Yeah. Did you did your dad ever buy you and your brother Benfica kits and dress you up in Benfica kits? Uh yeah, but it was like he would go to the local fishing store in Toronto and get like those knockoffs for ten bucks <laughs> that looked like like the four of us made it in a basement. So I had uh, I had a Figo one, a Portugal Figo one, and I had a Benfica one that I didn't wear too often because the thing the thing was like way too big for me. So I just kind of kept it in my closet for a while. But I think we all I remember I think that day he bought me a Benfica jersey and one of those umbrella chocolates. You guys know those umbrella chocolates? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good day. That was a really good day (laughs) (laughs) so it's been quite a bit uh since we uh spoke right as i mentioned before rui vittoria was in his final stretch uh but then we saw bruno lodge come in we saw how we finished last year and now we're seeing this year what are some of your thoughts first on what happened last year with lodge taking over and then your current thoughts on on what's been going on so far this season? Well, it's been this season's been a roller coaster. Uh, there's no doubt, and I'm it's it's you know I love I love listening to you guys every week because you know in my situation I have a couple of young girls. They're seven and five, and like some Saturdays or Sundays I just we're busy, we're out, and I just can't watch the games. 
and there's really no way to kind of PVR them and watch them back. So listening to you guys getting your recaps every uh, Tuesday or Wednesday uh, has been great. I think, um, you know, I think with the way it ended last year, like João Felix obviously had a huge role in kind of turning the season around. And I feel like they kind of need, like at this point, they need, they need something to just whether it's Bruno Lage or someone to just smack them upside the head and explain to them that, you know, they're only a point out and they can still very well win the league, even though it doesn't feel like it uh, right now. You know, la- last year, I didn't I didn't think they were going to turn around the way they did. I didn't know. I knew nothing about Bruno Lage except for what you guys were telling me when they hired him. I thought they were going to go get one of those, you know, I forget who was in Ukraine or there was a couple of guys. Jardim was being talked about. You guys talked about it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel anything when they hired him and then they hired him and then he made these changes. He brought some kids up from the B team and they went on to win the league. Um, I don't, you know, that, that kid doesn't exist this year. Like Jota's not that guy. So if they're going to, uh, turn things around and, and win the league again. I think there's going to be a number of guys who are going to have to step up. But I, I think the one thing that you guys have touched on many times is Laj's inability to kind of react to what other teams have done. Like other managers seem to be uh, changing the way they play and it's hurting Benfica and Benfica is not kind of able to do that. And I don't really know why. And it's just frustrating because this is really one of the poorest stretches I've, uh, you know, we've seen them play in years and there's still only a point out. Like I, I can be a pretty pessimistic guy, but um, you know, I don't think Port's that good, right? And there's still, I think, nine, ten games left to go. So I think I think the league is still there to win, but you know, there's a number of guys who are just gonna they're just gonna have to play better. And if they don't, then unfortunately I don't think they got a shot. And Alex, tagging along with that point, if you're named president of the Liga Nosh, right, over the next yeah. week, you gotta make the decision of, uh, you know, whether you continue to pick up from where you took off, right, where you paused at the time, or you come out, come out, come up with a playoff system. If Alex, the president of Liga Nors, is in charge, what's the decision you're making? Well, I think what should be done is you postpone the 2021 campaign as long as you can. And if you need to start the new season in December, you start the new season in December because we're still, like, like we've talked about, we're still months away. So if you have to play these last nine, ten games in a condensed schedule um, in August, September, and October, then I, I think you do that. Like, uh, I, I can't, I can't, like, if you go to England, like, imagine telling a Liverpool fan all the damage they've done already, and they just cancel the season, that once again, they are screwed, right? Like, I just, I can't, I think we're too far deep into the campaign to just cancel it. Maybe if we're halfway through or 35% through, that's different. But I think they've played enough games now where um, you just wait as long as you have to. When you get the clearance, if you have to play behind closed doors, which is probably going to happen, I think you do that. And then if you have to start the next season a little bit further down the road, I think you do that. that that's what I think the best schedule is. I hope they do that. I don't know if they're going to do it. But to me, I think that's the fairest way when you only have you know a handful of games left. Yeah. No, that's definitely a, a fair point. I think that it's hard to uh, to hand out a trophy or to consider somebody champion if you haven't played all the games. Certainly, uh, there's always going to be uh, teams that are going to be shortchanged because of that. Um, and you're never going to please anyone. And I think that's the only way to please uh, the teams is that 
if you uh, play the rest of the schedule that's left, look, give the teams two, three weeks to get back into uh, into shape, uh, even though some of these players have been um, doing their workouts every day. But it's, it's a lot different from being in the team setting, from touching the ball, from going through uh, ball drill exercises. Um, that's very – give the teams two, three weeks uh, to do a, a preseason – Play the rest of the games. If you have to play uh, twice a week, then then you do because then now every single team is playing twice a week and award the champion whenever. The biggest problem is that, as you mentioned to before, Alex, nobody really knows how this is going to end up. Yeah, it's it's great that that uh, Don Garber is saying, uh, yeah, we we would we're going to get all thirty four games in this year. It's great, but until we finally get out of the woods with this whole thing and the authorities say, well, we may now get back to normalcy um, little by little. Nobody's going to know when the, the, the leagues are going to start, if they restart and when they're going to finish and how many games they're going to get in. So it, it's all really up in the air. Yeah, that that's a good point. I, and I, I, there's two other things too. One is, I mean, if you just cancel the season, I don't, I don't know how you do that to the TV rights holders. Like, what do you, what do you tell them? All the money they've already spent. I mean, that's all. That's a whole other different situation. I think the other thing too is, you know, there's already been a, a couple of countries out, uh, out east that have experienced kind of like a second wave of, of this, of this virus. And the, I think one of the worst things that can happen in any sports league is you just open up too soon. Um, and then you get a player or a staff member or someone who works in the stadium um, who is infected and tests positive. And then what do you do, right? Like you've just gone like a half a year with no sports and then you think it's safe to come back and you do and then someone someone falls ill. And then what the hell happens? That's the scary thing about this. It's, it's like we think we're going to get to a point where we're in the clear. Um, and, you know, we all hope that's the case, but there's still, you know, like a scenario where – there could just be this vicious cycle for a little while. So I just, you know, I think the best thing is just to kind of wait it out. And again, playing behind closed doors is going to happen because I don't know how many people are going to want to go to a sporting event, even if it's like July or August. I mean, I tell you, it would scare the hell out of me. Just want to watch all these games from home. Um, but there's too much to risk here. So like all this has to be done right. And again, if, you know, if the, if the Portuguese league season has to finish in, in August or September, I feel like they could, find a way to do that and just push the the next season a little further on. I was actually going to say that I think that for the rest of the year, or at least until they come up with a vaccination, I think we're going to see empty stadiums. I think they're going to put these guys in a bubble because as Alex mentioned, the TV rights holders, there's so much money involved in this. They're going to want to get their money's worth. The only problem with extending the league into August and September, whatever the, you know, whatever the case may be, is that, you know, the legal side of things, players contracts all end June 30th. Yeah. So what happens now? You can't be playing games and at the end of July unless they extend. FIFA is going to have to intervene. It's going to be very, you know, a very complicated mess. So I think they're going to try to do all they can uh, sometime in May to quarantine all these guys, which if they haven't done it, I mean, obviously they've probably done it as, as we're speaking. But they're going to put these guys in a bubble and just let them play in empty stadiums and keep people away because there's too much money involved and it would be easier than trying to extend every player's contract. too many legal. F- it's, it's just, it's just, it's crazy. It's bonkers. That yeah. Are- that, that, you know, that's a good point. And I think like you talk about playing in a bubble, I think baseball is going to try that. Like I know the state of Arizona right now, I don't think they're being hit 
too too hard and they do have a whole bunch of uh you know spring training facilities where they could have these teams go in there um the other thing too that's really interesting is you know baseball's already come out and they've said that um you know in, in the event that the season just is flat out canceled contracts they're not going to stop so for instance the you know the baseball team out in LA just made a huge trade for uh, Mookie Betts out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And Mookie Betts has one year left on his deal. So there is a situation where the Dodgers could have traded for one of the best players in the league who had one year left. If the baseball season gets wiped out, his contract doesn't stop. The one year accrues and he becomes a free agent. So just imagine like the ramifications that would have in soccer and the transfer window. Like I can't even begin to imagine how that would work. Uh, but, you know, but there could be some sports teams that just, you know, from a from a roster perspective, get absolutely hammered by just like a random kind of fluke situation. Yeah, I think I've I've read somewhere and, and I don't know if it's uh, if it's a, it's if it's an official position or not. But I I think I read Infantino, which is the FIFA's president, say something about contracts that they were going to be extended uh, past their 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 expiring date if they extend the leagues. Um, and yeah, I think that I'm correct. But Alfredo, but let's say in Portugal, the pandemic is not as, as bad as it is in Italy, for example, right? And so they start soccer at the end of May, right? So last week of May, and they get the season done by middle of July. And then in Italy, they started in middle of June, and it's and now it's over in September. Where's the free agency window? It's just it, it, yep. everyone needs to be aligned because just like, just like Alex said, free agency takes a – it's a big part of the sport. So yeah. What happens? What happens? Like, you know, you're gonna have to wait a month and a half until another league. It's just, it's, it's too complicated. Well, you, you know what I'm thinking because I mean, there's still so many Champions League games we have to play across the continent that maybe, um, even if you know, even if let's say, um, even if Holland is is ahead of uh, you know England and Spain in terms of like their lockdowns have been lifted and there's no more self quarantining that maybe UEFA is just going to have to come up with like just a deadline for everyone. Uh, I don't know what that day would be and how long it would be. Uh, but that's a good point. Like there's good, you, in theory, like the Portuguese league may start up, you know, before some of these other countries get going. And that, that's a good point. Like that's going to create a problem. So I wonder if UEFA is, is maybe is going to come up with just like just a date that everyone abides by. And maybe it's the end of December. Maybe it's the, ter- the turn of the new year. But something's going to have to be done. And then let's say all those restrictions have been lifted in Holland, right? And now they have to play Juventus, which they don't, but let's just say they do an Italian team. Do the Dutch you know, the authorities want Italians going into their country? And possibly spreading the disease again. It just it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. It's yep. this yeah. is crazy time. Yeah, there's there's so much uncertainty attached to all of this beca- uh, that I think that's that's the thing that's the, not fascinating, but the thing that that creates such doubt uh, in, in terms of the sports world because uh, it's not like a whole catastrophe that that hit the globe or the hit each country uh, at the same time. We're seeing different countries being affected at different stages uh, of the, of this, this pandemic, of course. So it's going to be tricky to match all that up. And regardless of whether or not UEFA comes to an agreement, they have to take into consideration where that country is with the pandemic at that time. So it's, it's very tricky, but I think that the biggest thing here, 
um, is the money factor. It's all the millions that are involved in these leagues, and especially in the Champions League. Um, advertisement money that obviously UEFA doesn't want to give up. Uh, the TV rights, uh, they don't want to give up. So it's, it's very tricky. Um, it becomes a very tricky situation. And it's it, like I said, it's great that a lot of guys want to have a positive outlook and said, oh, yeah, we'll be playing uh, by here. But uh, right now, nobody, nobody really knows. No, no, nobody does. And like, you know, there's a couple of hockey players who got sick because they were, you know, they were playing in California and they were sharing, you know, the, you know, the visit, the, the visiting dressing room um, that it, an NBA team used like four days ago. So that that's another problem that we have in North America is that NBA and the National Hockey League, they, you know, so, some teams share buildings. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like I feel like with UEFA, you know, like the World Health Organization is going to have to come out and just say some sort of like all clear message. And what, whenever that message comes out, then we can start thinking about contracts and schedules. And yeah, but unfortunately, it just seems like we're a long way away from that. Yeah. Until then, I think it's just uh, it's just mute conversation. Um, so but Alex, I just want to bring it uh, bring it back here to uh, Benfica uh, is. Are you still on board with uh, with Lodge being the coach? Uh, as did he buy enough credit with you with what he did last season uh, that you say you still my coach? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think if they're like six points or seven points back of, of first place, then I think the conversation is a bit different. But they're they're a point out. Um, I think Port has I think Port has Sporting and Braga still left to go. I think Benfica. I think they have Sporting the last game of the season, don't they? Is that the last game of the calendar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. Braga that weekend. Yeah, so I don't know. I like the thing is the only reason why I'm optimistic is I don't think Port's that good. I think like any they're kind of like Benfica. Any given week, uh, well, not recently with Benfica because they haven't they barely won over the last couple of months. But I feel like you know you know sometimes they look good and sometimes they don't. I think they have a lot of similarities. I mean, I like Port. They don't have many guys that that scare me. So. I think the big thing with Benfica is I think Rafa really needs to play better. I think Ferru, I don't know what's gone on with him this year. I just feel like he's taken a step back, which might be something we should have seen coming with the young kid. But I feel like he hasn't he hasn't really played well. And like like we were saying before, like Jean Felix came over last year and was just dynamite. And Benfica's not going to have that type of guy. So I just feel like there just needs to be a, a collective where they just i mean they like you guys have talked about it they just look so disjointed at times and it's very frustrating because i still think they have a good team and i still think they have good players but there's times where like they're chasing the ball against like teams that are 16th and 17th in the division at home like it's really puzzling and i i i will say that i in a weird way this kind of long break we're getting i don't know if it benefits a team more than benfica right now because from a league perspective, it's the worst I've seen them play in in years. I can't remember the last time they had a string of matches. Just, just look back at Rui Vitoria. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe not that long ago. <laughs> um, so it it does like it brings me a little hope. I don't know if Rafa came back too soon. Like he just like you guys touched on it. He just didn't look the same. Uh, and PZ has his you know PZ scored a bunch of goals, but he has his games where he's in and out. I think they've missed Almeida on the right a little bit. He's just kind of like he's not a great player, but I think he just kind of complements everyone else. And he's just I think he's just a piece they need. So yeah, I think Laws should I think he should absolutely get the rest of the season. But um, if they don't win the league, 
then I think all bets are off. I mean, if you if you can find, and that's a big if, if you can find an experienced coach who's won and just has a good sense of tactics, then like I'm all for it. But I, I think I think with the with the job Lodge did last year, I think he is he's he's at least bought himself until the end of the year. But see, Alex, that's where the frustration kicks in, bro. Because everything you just mentioned to me, it all comes down to coaching. Everything is coaching. Yeah. You brought up a point that is absolutely in my mind, and Alfredo knows because we talk a lot off the air, and and I and I harp on this constantly, which is this is the shittiest sport that we've seen in a long, long time, and yet we sit a point behind them. And yeah. it's, it's this is you know the part of being a Benfiquista that it's very frustrating to understand and to take because we see things as I mentioned on the podcast fifty thousand times. If I could see something from my couch. How could you not see you sitting right there and you have all these video analysts up in the stands? This is your job. You get paid to do this and you don't see these things, these moves, these you know managers need to do in order to pick up a game and slow down a game in order to change a player's uh, mentality throughout you know a contest. And it's just it's frustrating, man. And so everything that Lodge has done for us in the past, I greatly appreciate it. But right now. I, I'm I'm on board with you, man. Look, he'll get the rest of the season, whatever it is, the season starts back up. But if he doesn't come out on top, as you said, all bets are off, man. And bring back my boy George Jesus because he's the only guy that's going to help us. He's <laughs> our, our savior. We need my we need Rod Stewart back. <laughs> he's got great hair. There's no doubt his hair game is tremendous. You know what I wonder too? Like there was there's some weeks where I watch him play, and I'm like, you know, I wonder I wonder if he is trying to do the right thing tactically, but for whatever reason, the group or the the players like just can't quite execute the plan that has been set. But then there's other examples where like you guys will preview a game and you're kind of suggesting like who should be starting and how they should play. And they don't really do that. And then they either draw or lose. And like, you're right. I mean, there are things we see that they should be doing uh, and they don't, there's a little bit of, and it's weird to, to say this, but it's, there are times where it's like, you can really you can really see it on their faces. They're they're just in a rut. This is what it is. I'm I'm glad the European League season is over because again this year it was a disaster and they made long trips and it probably tired them out. And from a league perspective, I don't think it did them any good. At least they're into the final of the Tassa now. They don't have to worry about that for a while. Uh, I, I don't think Europe has not been their friend for for a number of years they haven't been competitive they're playing a lot of games like the home revenue from those games i don't think uh you know is 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 enough to uh to look at i just think how exhausted so like some of these guys like uh grimaldo feel like he's played like 800 straight games in a row the guy never gets a game off so again i think the break is good i think it allows them honestly a chance to reset they got 10 games left they got sporting on the final day of the season uh, like we said, Port has Braga and Sporting, so there's an opportunity here. And if if they do it right, and they, and they win, you know, they win back to back championships, then it makes Benfica's decision to give Lage an extension so early into his coaching career makes him look smart. On the flip side, if they don't if they don't leapfrog a mediocre Port team, just doesn't look very good at all. But let's say they hang on, right? Or they, they, they overtake Porto and then, you know, ultimately they come out champs for whenever the season ends. Do you bring them back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. I don't know who would have to be like if uh, if uh, Guardiola is available and he's willing to come. OK, fine. No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
I saw him in Portugal last week. He had the mask. He was all pissed off with the reporters. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't really loving the cameras in his face. No, I think. I mean, how you how you fire a guy after back to back championships? He can't. He actually said, "Why did Why did some of you guys get the coronavirus?" <laughs> <laughs> he was doing such a good job for forty seconds. The cameras were on him. He didn't say a word. And yeah. as he was making the turn to leave them, of course, he had something to say. Very Georges Zuzesque. <laughs> Yeah. Alex. Yeah. They, so this, this virus is being called like the great equalizer. And like you, you said, you, this can also be applied for Benfica. You know, everybody's going to, once the season does start up, we don't know when, but hopefully uh, sooner than later, but um, not keep my hopes up high, but it's going to be a, a sprint to the, to the end. It's everybody's going to be starting off at the exact same, uh, exact same rest. And everybody's going to be going through the same, um, same uh, motion to finish off the season. So it's going to be an equal playing field for all uh, the players. But uh, speaking of players, who's been uh, your most uh, surprising and most disappointing player this season for Benfica? Oh, I, I don't know. I kind of had high hopes on Chiquinho. Like I, I talked to my dad about soccer a lot and he was, you know, when my dad is big on a guy, uh, you know, he's nine out of 10 times. He's usually right. And, you know, when they signed him, uh, and it was pretty clear that he was going to have a big role on the team. He was kind of convincing me that it was a good idea. And I don't know what's been the, like, uh, has he scored a goal in the league? Does he have one goal? One, maybe the first game of the season, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And he's, like, I feel like he's played a lot. So I think he's, I think he's been really disappointing. Um, and I don't know how much playing time he should really get over these last 10 games. In terms of surprises, you know, PZ leading the team in goals. He's like, you know, he's... Guy could have 20 goals if he could hit a freaking penalty over the last month or so. Like, Jesus. But, um, no, I think, look, Grimaldo is is a – honestly, he's a rock of the team. And I just feel like – like, I don't know how you guys think, but, like, Jean Felix kind of picked him up last year. Like, do you think there's a guy on the roster now that can kind of carry him? Like, I don't know if – like, Vinicius, I, I didn't expect him to score as many goals as, as he did. He's – I mean, he's been he's been impressive. But do you guys think there's someone out there on the on the team right now that can just kind of give them the jolt that they need? Um, Alfred, you want me to answer that? I, look, there's one guy that that everyone that listens to the podcast knows that I'm I'm, I'm high on, and that's uh, Adele Terapt. I do think Adele Terapt could be that guy to play the second striker role, the guy that can link up play in between the midfielders and the strikers and could create. I think the guy, at least for the Portuguese league, he's he's leaps about you know uh, above everyone else. That being said, I don't think they're going to play him at that position, unfortunately. So therefore, I don't see another player with the ability uh, to 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 link up the play in between the two sectors. Um, yeah. I, I can use play there, and I've said it fifty times. I I don't even think she can use is worthy of being on a Benfica roster, let alone starting. Um, Rafa, he's a phenomenal player when he's on form, but. You know, he's been way too inconsistent of late. PZ's another guy that goes missing. So, I mean, there's not many options at that position, unfortunately. Therapt is the only one, but for some reason, the few chances that he's had in that position, the guys behind him have failed to get him the ball. So he needs to drop back in order to come get the ball because there's no one, especially with Gabriel being out. And that's the other thing, Dave, I just wanted to touch on when you said the great equalizer. Now, this time off will give Gabriel the, the, the adequate time to, to come back healthy. Same thing with, with Andre Almeida and hopefully Jardel, depending on what's going on with him. So hopefully he could give you know one of the two guys in the center a break. But, you know, I, I just there's not many options on this team. That's the one thing you talked about Europe. You talked about the revenues from European. Uh, and, and it's just whoever 
was the decision maker and putting on putting this roster together at the beginning of the season just did not do a very good job and um hopefully going into the next season uh whoever's in charge of that they look at the overall roster and they, they bring in the adequate replacements even though i do think that the corona uh is gonna mess up a lot of the transfer market and players and decision makes because as we mentioned on the podcast before there's just so much money being lost at the time that a lot of teams are going to be affected well I'll, I'll say this guy i think if like I think, I think their chances right now to win the league, I don't know, 50-50, maybe it's a little better than that. But if you tell me Gabriel is playing in every single one of these games down the stretch, like I thought I read a couple of days ago that his vision issue, I think he corrected it yeah. or it's better or like that's, that's, that could be crucial to like, like he is, I think he's that important. I think he's that good. So if they can get him healthy for the, for the final stretch run, then I mean maybe that's maybe that's the guy. I know he doesn't score many goals, but that's not really what he's being asked to do. But I think he's kind of a glue guy. I mean he's like kind of Fesa, Matich when those guys were at the height of their Benfica careers. Like I I think he's he's that good in this new role that Benfica's kind of created for him. So if he plays every single game down the stretch, I, I do think their chances to win kind of increase a bit. Yeah, what is return does it allows Benfica and Bruno Lage, if he wants to push Adele Tarapt up, it allows him to switch the two, put in Tarapt yep. for Chino, and now Gabriel is the guy that distributed in the middle. We're still Weigel. I still look, I still think Junior Weigel, Weigel, whatever, is a much better play than what he's shown so far. And again, I've talked about it on the podcast. I do think it's uh, coaching, but I do think the Weigel. Gabriel in the middle with a delta opt in front of him being the distributor. Also, if you do double team Tarap and, and Tarap's not having a good game, you have another guy like a Gabriel that could distribute the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's good news for Benfica whenever the season does return. If he's back to being 100% and the same thing with Andre Almeida, I mean, Tomas Tavares, quality young player. The future is bright, still very young, but I, I think that the the experience of an Andre Almeida on the right side will also alleviate a lot of those headaches defensively. Yeah. Alex, we're going to spring something on you real quick here, spur of the moment, and I'm, I apologize uh -oh. for, for doing this to you. But I'm going to uh, mention a Benfica player, and I want you to, with one word, what that uh, Benfica player is to you with one word. Does that All seem right. fair? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. You can, you can curse, by the way. <laughs> I think I did already, didn't I? A couple yeah. times. <laughs> Just don't tell my employers. Let's start with uh, Vlacodimos. Uh, energetic. That's Grima not a good one. <laughs> Grimaldo. Uh, should be taking penalties for the team. Uh, Ruben Diaz. Rock. Ferro. Disappointing. Tomás Tavares. That's the right back. Young, very young. And Andre Almeida. Steady. Steady. All right. Gabriel. Uh, I know it's one word. Oh, glue guy. I'm going to go glue guy. Pizzi. Mm, 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 mm. That's my word. Mm. That's the word. Does that right count? <laughs> some like it, some don't. Ju Julian Weigel. It just needs more time. Just needs more time to adjust to the league, I think. Yeah. Samaris. Underused. A delta rapt. Uh, underrated. Florentino. Still needs time. Servi. It's gotten better. It's gotten better. 
Rafa. Ah, uh, Rafa. Expect more. I expect more from him. Vinicius. Uh, goal scorer. Seferovic. Styrofoam. All, most, yeah. <laughs> Those two both work. <laughs> uh, uh, Jota. Uh, unproven. Yeah. I think that's it. I, I don't think I've forgotten yeah. anyone that I wanted to mention. On the next pod, I want to play this game. Uh, that's a cool game. Offer he just came up with that. Yeah, you yeah. Know, credit credit yeah. to Alex for being you know a little bit nicer than I would have been. Good job, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm a guest of the pod, so I I felt like I'd be a little delicate to some of the guys. I think the only guy you forgot was uh, was Zivkovic. You weren't going to throw Zivkovic at me today. Yes, I think Zivkovic. Overpaid. <laughs> Fucking overpaid. How about that? Does that work? More importantly, I think I think Bruno Law just forgotten him. Not off. <laughs> I feel uh, like every manager is forgetting him. One more, Laj. He's a champion. <laughs> he was also a champion, multi-champion. That's right. Yeah, man. Sorry to spring that on you, man. But I figured I'd uh, I'd, I'd surprise you at least because I know you're you're the king of preparedness. Because uh, your job obviously requires it, uh, so I wanted to spring that surprise on you. And, and thanks for being a good sport on that. Oh uh, no, no worries. I I have a lot of time to do stuff right now. So if I have to play a game for an extra five minutes, Alfredo, I got nothing to do. Talking to you guys means less time with my kids. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, did I say that out loud? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I think that's that's all we really got. Unless uh, Alex, you want to prolong the conversation, man, you're more than welcome to prolong the conversation. No, listen, uh, I said it the first time I was on with you guys. I think uh, the three of you do an unbelievable job, and there is definitely um, there there are a, a large group of English speaking Benfica fans out there that. Uh, you guys are like a crutch for us. And like I was saying, like, I can't, it's hard for me to watch every single game and you guys just kind of keep everyone informed. And I think um, not only do you guys talk about the team while you're passionate, but you can like, you break it down from a, a really interesting and different perspective. So same shit I said last time, like, just keep it going. It's, it's, I got like 10 podcasts I listen to and you guys are one of them. So I appreciate you having me on and just keep it up. Oh man, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And Alex, you didn't know, but uh, Chris is a huge uh, fantasy sports uh, uh, player. Three uh, times champ. Oh, nice. Both baseball and NFL. Oh, nice. Well, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, there's nothing happening right now. That's my <laughs> fantasy advice. There's no need to open your Yahoo. Fan I haven't touched my Yahoo fantasy account in weeks. It's the saddest thing ever. Yeah. So the. Thank you uh, again for for coming on, Alex. Uh, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure when you're on, and I wish you, we could have you uh, on more often. But uh, certainly, there's professional commitments that you gotta that you gotta attend to, obviously. So we understand that. But uh, this has been great, Cristiano. Anything you wanted to uh, say before we sign I off? Just wanted to thank him, like you like you have for taking the time out of his uh, busy schedule in his basement uh, for coming and joining us. <laughs> I uh, really appreciate it. I, I know, as you know, Alfredo, I've, I've talked about getting him on for, for quite a while. I don't recall why I, I missed the podcast the last time you was on. 
Yeah, you've been you you said I've, yeah, I've been you, ducking you the show, right? Yeah, you. Oh, there's some strong words out of Cristiano. Yeah. I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah. might as well. I was trying to do anything to invite you to come on, bro. Cristiano, <laughs> <laughs> that's when you had your uh, your accident that you were you got oh, hurt, dude. Okay, okay, that's what it was. Okay, I didn't because I was just thinking that's why I don't remember. I remember Cristiano saying I was I was ducking the show, oh, and then I immediately yep. said I got to get on the fucking show. Yeah, that was because <laughs> I was telling Dave, Dave, what's up with that? Alex. You took yeah. the bait, Alex. You took the bait. I know, I know, but it was it was well worth it. Yeah, because if you think about it, your your injury was what uh, in December, I think, and that was right around the time that uh, Vittori got fired. Yeah, no, he got fired in January, bro. Well, yeah. the beginning of January, the, the first the first firing, <laughs> the first firing. Yeah, we did. I remember. Less- I, I remember doing the podcast for two hours, whatever it was, three hours, and. See you later. Bye. Peace. JJ's coming. My source is coming. I'm like, JJ's coming. You can write it down. Yeah. And then, like, a couple hours later, guy wakes up, sees the light. If he thought he was back, JJ's nowhere near. And it's just like, we just replay. We just did this whole podcast for, for a couple of hours for, for no reason. And then, so much so that we joked about actually playing it when he finally was officially fired. If you guys recall, like, why don't we just That's play right. that one podcast from a couple weeks ago? Um, but, and you did. Did we? Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, did. we replayed it. We did see again yeah. concussion. I don't know concussion. <laughs> I don't recall. <laughs> hey, can I tell you guys? I listened. I listened to the episode again in full, back yeah, front to back. <laughs> Dave, oh, that's cool. Anything uh, from you? No, just uh, Alex. Keep making us uh, Portuguese Canadians proud. You do. You and your brother are doing a great job there, and uh, listen to you guys faithfully. It. So. Keep up the great work, brother. We gotta hang out, Dave. We're neighbors. We gotta hang out. One day once we'll go for a drink. Once this quarantine is over, we're gonna have a huge party up here. Nice. It's gonna be crazy. My three dad- years. Three years we'll get together for a drink. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little tough, you guys. You know, my dad lived in Toronto and he worked in Toronto for about a year, year and a half, back in like 84, 85, maybe. And he got deported from Canada. He got locked up wow. Christmas Eve, spent Christmas in, in, in jail, and then he got deported because obviously over there is much stricter to work with papers, without papers. So he got deported. It was actually someone from one of the Gafanyas where I'm from that that actually called the immigration on him because apparently he get 1500 bucks for calling immigration <laughs> on people. And so somebody that lives in our hometown called the immigration on my dad. He got locked up. So And then eventually he wound up coming to the United States. So if he never got deported, I probably would have been your neighbor. Alex probably would have worked with you at one of the, the stations somewhere. So it just, you know. Funny out. Well, hey, world. I, I can tell you, my dad is from the Gafani de Boa so I don't know if, how close that is to where your family's from. It's but like, I'm in Carmo, Carmo, Vagueira, Boa so. Oh yeah, yeah, I've driven through there. Yeah, he was like, he lived like a, a five minute bike ride to the ocean, like right on the coast. It's mm-hmm. great. That's, That's cool. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. The small world, dude. Small it, it world. really is. Anyway, um, it's been uh, episode number three hundred and sixty. Thank you for. Uh, checking us out and listening to us certainly uh we we're we're trying to get content and, and bring content to you something that's uh interesting i know that it's not the uh, the most exciting time in the world right now and uh if we take, could take your minds away from uh from everything that's going on for for an hour whatever it is uh then we've done our jobs um stay safe make sure you wash your hands uh stay in the house if you don't have to go and take be aware, be vigilant, uh, and just be very careful. Uh, so, uh, a strong, uh, um abraço forte a todos. 
from from us, from all of us. Thanks again, Alex, Chris, Dave. Thanks again. Have a great one.